Today, as you all know, we will be talking about chapter 11 on organizational design. I want to keep the lecture in this chapter short as uh, I don't see much value talking about nitty-gritty terms and concepts, especially in this chapter. It doesn't mean that organizational design is not important. I conversely believe that how you organize and how you implement your strategies is foundational to achieving success in your aims. But organizational design is very dependent on each organization's unique dynamics, founder, uh, founder background, uh, company history, and the like. So every firm can come up with a novel design. So talking broadly about some common organizational design frameworks in, in this chapter uh, and discussing how real companies devise their own design make more sense to me. So we will talk about three concepts in this lecture, how the firms organize their structure, what structural forms are natural results of the firm size and age and what structures are better off better for um, pursuing what strategies. Second, we will briefly talk about organizational culture. Uh, I know you already know, and I'm pretty sure that you have already learned a lot about culture in your earlier life as an individual and a business almost graduate. So I'll keep organizational culture discussion very short with an emphasis on culture in a business context. And the last, I'll talk even less about control and reward systems within the context of culture. There are four main ways uh, or basic frames where you can organize your employees, activities, and operations. As the firm grows and enters new markets or increases its relations with external parties, it also relies on more sophisticated structures. So at the beginning, where firms are uh, relatively small and employ not many employees, um, a simple function is sufficient to manage um, firm operations. An employee is responsible basically for a comparably wider range of functions, but as the firm grows, the company evolves into a more sophisticated structure with more specification and dedicated departments and employees. As the company grows and enters new markets or interorganizational partnerships, a functional structure may work well. In the structure, typically there are well-defined boundaries between departments and related domains, such as marketing, finance, accounting, logistics, and so on and so forth. Um, this resembles the firm value chain um, that includes activities ranging from procurement to manufacturing and sales. Spe um, specialization is high uh, for this type of organization and clear lines of authority and responsibility lead to higher productivity. However, these clear lines may hamper effective communication and cooperation between departments. Also growth is limited. A functional structure would be insufficient to deal with a wide range of product and geographical markets as a company becomes more and more diversified. Hence, the firm needs to rearrange how it assigns tasks and resources to whom, mainly what units and groups of people. A multi-divisional or M-form structure is a way to resolve any issues that may arise when you grow and your functional structure becomes a burden for the company. For example, specialized divisional units may not work well as you integrate new companies through acquisition or vertical integration. The dynamics of each business unit are different and ask for a domain expertise that they require their own smaller companies within the corporation. 
with an M form structure, each business has its own firm-like form, so they can almost independently run their business units, so their decisions are more effective. They're like states of a country, right? They have their own responsibilities defined with profits and losses, which increases accountability of actions and decisions that they make. But this structure has downsides if each SBU competes with each other in terms of capital and other resources, including skilled labor that come from the top, meaning the headquarters. Also, unsurprisingly, with, um, uh, with an M-form structure compared to a functional or a simple structure, the span of control is narrow, meaning one manager supervises um, lower number of employees and reports to higher number of upper-level managers, which leads to slower decision-making and less responsive organizations. Still, this type of structure is good for companies that have highly diversified into new businesses. As the company wants to grow more and enters um, new geographical markets, it will have to beyond it will have to go beyond M form structure. The firm can merge two earlier structures, functional and M form, to create an organizational structure that is more responsive but also that relies on domain expertise in each specific market. As you can see from the figure in this slide, the firm can form a global matrix structure that integrates functional and M-form structures. The functional form coming from each country unit in the vertical reporting lines helps the company respond to the needs of a local market. On the other hand, the M-form structure that lies on the horizontal reporting lines, provides economies of scale benefits as well as increased cooperation between and among units. However, as the example employee in this figure indicates, a person reports to two bosses at the same time, one at the vertical functional unit and one at the SPU level. This duality in reporting can create confusion on this employee's end. And actually, most of the time, some sort of stress due to not knowing how to reconcile the needs and instructions of two uh, bosses, which may not always be on the same page. When we say organizational design, uh, we actually refer to not only formal organizations, such as the structure, but also to the informal organizational design, named organizational culture. Organizational culture is comprised of basic beliefs and values that have been internalized by the organization's members. Where did these beliefs and values come from? We actually touched, um, touched on organizational culture in chapter two when we talked about leadership and mission and vision of a company, right? What organizational members believe is important. What the appropriate behavior in an organization is. What organization believes um, are valuable. Um, all these things are highly relevant to the leader's own beliefs and values. The values, perceptions, and reactions of the strategic leaders affect organizational actions and outcomes. Remember Thomas Schuh's story that we talked in chapter one, like ages ago, the founder and the CEO of the company came up with the idea of one for one during his trip to Argentina. During his visit, he saw many kids without shoes so he wanted to help all these kids. Then he innovated the business model where for everyone, every shoe sold at the second pair was donated to a child in need. Take also Amazon. One of the core values and principles of Amazon is, is bias for action. 
This principle comes from Jess Bezos's um, motto of getting big fast. Um, because he believes that when you're small, someone else that is bigger can always come along and take away what you have. Culture can also develop as a consequence of the organization's attempts to adapt to internal and external problems and evolve as an emerging fashion um, from past events and experiences. Organizational reward systems are actually means to an end reflecting the beliefs and the values. What an organization values signals what behaviors are valued more, so such behaviors dominate and develop the culture. Organizational culture is also crucial for persistent behavior within the organization. How does a certain way of doing things get maintained, either across people or across time or both? An organizational culture defines a normative order consisting of basic assumptions about what are the right and wrong kinds of behavior. This normative element comes from a cognitive order, meaning what you value and how you think things um, occur and why. Such deep reasoning and values develop assumptions of rights and wrong behaviors, namely norms. And at the surface, you see how these norms and values translate into observable elements in organizations, such as open layout and physical space that Yahoo adopted because Yahoo's new CEO assumed that cooperation could only be achieved by social interaction. These observable elements of culture are called artifacts, such as symbols, vocabulary, what are told as stories, um, and are celebrated as important events. For example, think about the scene in the American Factor documentary where the CEO didn't want Chinese workers to hang any China-related picture on the wall. His intention was to give the signal that the factory is not Chinese, but American. Then again, think about another scene where the workers were complaining about the removed tables from the lunch, lunch area. It was a signal that uh, workers needed to work harder without the long lunch break. These are above the surface cultural symbols. Extensive empirical research suggests that organizational culture plays a crucial role in shaping the capabilities of organizations and guiding the behavior of individuals within organizations. Studies show that firms with strong corporate culture have um, average levels of performance than firms in the same industry with weaker, weaker cultures. Researchers have pointed out two interrelated reasons why firms with strong culture outperform the ones with weak organization culture. First, strong culture facilitates social control within the firm. What does social control mean? Organizational actors can detect violations of behavioral norms. And then everyone agrees that certain behaviors are more appropriate than others. Such violations can be corrected faster. The good and effective control um, is where corrective actions come from uh, other employees, regardless of their place in the formal hierarchy. Informal social control is more effective because it has no formal meaning. And most importantly, it is less costly than formal control structures. Second reason why um, strong culture improves firm performance is that strong corporate cultures enhance goal alignment. With clarity, clarity about corporate goals and practices, employees face less uncertainty about the proper course of action than faced with an unexpected situation. 
and can react appropriately. Goal alignment also facilitates coordination as there is less room for debate between different parties about the firm's best interests. Okay, I guess that's all I will tell you about this chapter. I'll see you in class. Hope we have a lively discussion on, an, uh, on the company examples, like always.